Hello and welcome back to Vox Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Anna and Katya. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Good. I saved some cats from some secret agents. That's, I mean, was there like I a mean, mission? Did you have like theme music? Like- honestly, basically, <laughs> I'm talking about this night market game that Katya sent me, and you save cats and they're... And- build things like you craft oh. things to take to a night market and also like there are secret agents and i didn't realize that before i bought it but now i'm still playing it while we're talking i thought you were gonna talk about actual cats i was thinking like oh. maybe that like you know maybe there was like a whole thing where cats were being kidnapped and you were like i will not stand for this and then you went and you know you discovered my alt act career i decided <laughs> to turn all my close reading skills into like close reading the world skills and become a private eye um but specifically for like i don't yeah. know pet detective cats. type stuff yeah. <laughs> but not like what about the movie that is not is entirely terrible. logical to you <laughs> i personally have been running a bed and, bed and breakfast with bears oh so, and i'm not going to comment further on that there was a, i did a thing this summer that i didn't make an episode about but i thought and i think i actually sent a picture to you katia i went to there's a local game company company that hires a bunch of our kids at the university as interns so i went and i watched their summer finale of you know of here are the things that we designed and one of them was a heavily bear making bed and breakfast kind of game <laughs> that was, it was like a whole thing but it was it was very fun to look at so i wonder if they game. <laughs> anyway that's not what we're talking about so i guess it could be i don't know <laughs> what are we talking about hannah i i don't know <laughs> this wasn't my idea it sort of was. It sort of was. Well, kind of. Well, my my idea, and I I think we could still do this. Was we should talk about fall and like if there's a summer read, like the beach read or the summer blockbuster. What is the fall equivalent? But that's not what we're doing today. No, I guess we might can, actually do that show. Soon. I guess you can so. write in and tell us what you think about that. This is my call for comments. I'm not writing <laughs> it down. But you know, like everyone like does a Gilmore Girls rewatch during autumn for some reason or whatever. <laughs> I mean, if that. you go on Twitter, you could yeah. if you believe the internet. I know I just made a very dubious statement, but no. Today we're going with your idea, which is still sort of folly. Well, it's because it's been like so much of our, you know, we have a private chat, a sustained chat that we text each other back and forth with a lot. And a lot of it ever since you bought your house has been Hannah in particular going, look, I spackled my wall, which would be, you know, it's a thing that one does when one buys a house. But also this same year, Stephanie, my wife and I have been making a bunch of home improvement things as well. So there's been a lot of me going, hey, look, I just rewired this outlet and stuff. And then also around the same time, um, Katya and Monica in particular, Monica couldn't be here, but have been doing a lot of, look, I made this blanket look i saw this um now to be fair katya has always done that like since i've known you that's been that's like, like my in- I see, well i see i don't do it in the chat i have an entire right. dedicated instagram thing which i haven't yes. posted on in like two years three years five years who knows right. but you know i still do it in my head where i'm just like oh look i made a thing yeah and what i thought would be interesting to talk about just because i think this actually is you know I think this is a pop culture thing. It's the idea of making stuff for yourself, which is, you know, it, like there is a there's this weird bit of pride in the this might not be the best scarf ever, but I made this scarf. It's mine. 
this might like not this, be the best painted. I feel like I this gonna, is a call out. I was gonna say. No, I was literally. It was literally just the most recent thing saying, that I, you said either, in the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm offended that you do not think every scarf I've ever made is not the best scarf in existence, and I resent your remark. No, I'm literally quoting what Hannah said. She's like, "This is not the best <laughs> scarf." <laughs> she, she literally said that like yesterday in our chat. So, but like at the same time, like when you were texting about it, I was like literally at that moment, re you know, answering on my phone and trying to not zap myself while I rewired outlets in my living room because I had two prong outlets still in one room of my house. And I'm like, this cannot be. So I, so I went and grounded the outlets and, you know, and I successfully did not burn my house down. And therefore Yay! I am proud of, proud did of myself. did not destroy all of Pittsburgh and yeah. in flames. Yeah. And I, well, we went and shut our power off and then we went and we rewired the outlet. And I was like, yeah, I'm good at this. I did something. I built a thing. <laughs> and I think that there's a weird pride in that beyond just the fact that also it's nice to have electricity in my house or also it's nice to have, you know, a warm thing around your neck. I have a, I have a question, which maybe just like a conversation unless somebody else has a different idea. Because I was thinking I was thinking this morning about what we're going to talk about and I was curious if either of you grew up in households where like making stuff was normal because I absolutely did. Like mm -hmm. I sometimes when people ask me when I learned how to sew, I can't actually tell them because I don't remember learning how to sew. I was that little. And like my family just like is a very DIY people but I don't like my sense is that like lots of people and I think actually most people that is not necessarily a huge part of their childhood so I'm curious as to your experiences and then maybe that will segue into why we do this it absolutely was for me my grandmother was a seamstress and so sewing clothes was where clothes came from and we were poor so fixing things was how things got fixed I don't we, we didn't hire handymen we figured out how to do stuff either you know in the old days you might have to go and ask somebody or get a book or something but like you know once youtube was around especially it was a lot of can i fix this with a hammer and duct tape because i've got a hammer and i've got some duct tape and i've got some wd-40 so what can i do here <laughs> how can i make this work everything so, yeah. can be fixed with those things yes that's I, how i, I, I grew up so yeah? yeah my my mother and my grandmother sewed in fact my mother to this day actually like I, I told her I wanted to do Barbie for Halloween and she made me like the pink dress including with like the layered petticoat that's amazing mm -hmm. which I feel like now that I've mentioned this I at least have to send a picture to the group chat in a few weeks yeah and so my mom always sewed and it was like a necessity for them right because growing up for my mother like her parents didn't have a lot of money so like that was as Matt said like where clothes came from my my mother and my grandmother also crocheted so I have like an afghan that my grandmother made my mother has preserved quilts from like when she was a teenager like making her first quilt she made me and my sister a bear she made my cousins who were older than me raggedy ann and raggedy andy dolls like, so, you know, even toys were handmade. And like my father grew up, I mean, both my parents grew up on farms. My father grew up on the farm. So my parents were up here a couple of weeks ago. And they were like, we will teach you how to do stuff with the house because you know nothing because you've lived in apartments. And so like, my father taught me how to replace broken parts in the toilet if it's not functioning properly and how to like replace the wax seal. And so mm -hmm. one thing that triggered this is Josh and I decided to upgrade our toilet. And this weekend, don't worry, I have a plumber on call. We're going to like replace our crap toilet that's old with a brand new one that's more water efficient. And big yeah. job. That's, it's a, it, yeah. Well, it's a big job in that. I mean, it's physically a big thing to do. It's going to take you some time. And it's a and, and it's a and it's the kind of thing that you will use every day. Because that's why I thought that's why I thought it would make this an interesting episode. Like there's stuff in my house that like, sure, I could have 
bought, but the fact that I made this and I use it every day is, you know, yeah, yeah. something like, I, like I've done it, most of the wiring in my house. I think it's also worth mentioning gardening too, because like, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't literally make the things, the plants make the things, but you know, my, I grew up thinking like getting fresh food out of the garden or like harvesting crops was a normal thing that like everybody did to get food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Cause like and, my family has always had gardens and stuff. And I only started gardening because I never had space for it like last summer, but it has always surprised me that like, yeah, like to your point, I think the gardening thing, even if you live in the suburbs or places where like people have yards, mm-hmm. seems to be less common than I used to thought it, think it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if this counts, but you know, there's even like pride that people take in like learning to make things like fancy cocktails and doing it themselves instead of like yeah. going to a bar, you know? Or like the Great British Bake Off. You know, I mean, I should have gotten Josh for this episode because, you know, he won awards for his baking at the state fair. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, cook, cooking is a real skill. Like, I mean, you know, there's dumping noodles in a pot and making it not burn, but there's also like making fancy stuff that takes forever. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And like, I think, I don't know, I have so many thoughts about why this is, but I, I guess I could talk about kind of like where I come into it. Although I think I feel like I've said this on many podcasts. The regular listeners will know, but like, I don't know why I did that voice, but where we are <laughs> but like i make probably not quite as much as i like proportionally actually that's probably not true i probably make somewhere between 60 to 80 percent of my clothes and even the stuff that i like thrift or buy almost all of that gets altered in some fashion i recently learned how to make puppets which is fun so i have a little puppet friend sock or like muppety like muppety i learned Ooh. how to make not like as quite as cool as the muppets this is like the in- entry level version but mm-hmm. her name is violet and she's very fluffy and lavender and adorable yeah, I sew, I knit, and garden, and I'm also just generally like a, you have the home improvement thing, even though I am a renter, I am generally mm-hmm. the sort of person that's like, unless it's something where it's like, my landlord will have a compelling interest in wanting to fix this himself, I'm just like, I'm going to fix this because I don't want to deal with it, and like, most things are not, like most, I don't know, I feel like most like small house problems, like it is more efficient to just be like, hey landlord, I'm fixing this, and landlord's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, as long as we're all on the same page. Um, I mean, it's good to know things like shut off valves, because sometimes... If you're a renter, other people clog up your shared pipes and suddenly you find oh my, God, my worst nightmare. <laughs> I told you about this, right? Like sometimes yeah. your toilet just keeps overflowing and eventually you have to create through science, not through using your mouth through science, create a kink in a hose and just take the sewage out the back door so it doesn't destroy all your belongings. Like sometimes that kind of thing happens. So like you, you yeah. need to like maybe know some basic just, skills. I don't want to just pass off through this not using your mouth thing. It wouldn't have even occurred to me. Why are you oh. bringing that up? Okay. It's okay. Cause like, <laughs> so like, jo- like, we, like we created like suction in a garden hose through like using water from a faucet and like kinking the sure. hose. But okay. several people, when I explained to them, I didn't like, I didn't even think people would use their mouths to create suction. It never occurred to me either. As I was telling the story. Sewage is involved. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I have started about. a siphon. Yeah. I have started I mean, yeah. a siphon before by sucking on things, but why would anyone ever even try to do that for sewage? That's, yes. Okay. That's obviously I, I, an I, insane I, thing. I guess that's it's a good, good. thing I'm, we're talking about this because PSA don't do that. There's <laughs> other ways but like i told the story just assuming everyone would think we use science to create suction because mm-hmm. common sense um <laughs> not that common sense I mean, is real but you know it's also kind of common sense but not in this specific not this example <laughs> and so like every time like, i told well, the story alarmed that people thought that, that was the obvious thing <laughs> and i'm very like you know like those memes where like it's basically the the whole you can't eat at everybody's house thing yeah i feel like this is one of those this well, is to be to be fair to the people telling this story 
story, they didn't assume it was mal- like They just like looked at me and they're like, and how did you start the suction? And then I explained. And then they were like very relieved. And oh, so okay. I don't know. I don't Everyone know if they were collectively like, thought that the mouth thing was a very bad idea that no yeah. one yes. wanted to say it out loud yeah, against the they, other party. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that I had not poisoned myself, but I like, I would like to think <laughs> that <laughs> I don't exude some sort of vibe that everyone would be like, oh yes, Hannah, she's not afraid of the sewage, but no, I am. So that's why I wanted it out of my house. <laughs> one of those um, things where people were like, how is she still alive? We thought she would have died 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Think she'd make. Um, so, so say yeah. how people react in the face of sewage is not like top of mind when I think of like, oh yeah, Hannah and Mav, they're these kinds of people. But maybe it should be. Maybe I should think about that more often. Because I do feel like that would be, like, that's a litmus test for a particular kind of like life pressure. So it turns out that you, that no matter what you have going on Hi, at work. How are you doing? <laughs> You can always take the day off if literal sewage is overflowing into your home. Yes. And I think that is all. But, it's also but you know, like, I feel like, I mean, not that your employer would or should do this, but like, I don't think anyone's going to lie. I, there's something sacred about the idea, like, yeah, my house is overflowing with sewage. It's sacred, but weird of like, no one's going to lie about that. Yeah. yeah. No, everyone. Uh, <laughs> my work was great. Like, people were wonderful and they were like, we can help you if you need. No, it was just like, you know, I'm a workaholic. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Nothing else is important right now. Yep. I got it. Like, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, <laughs> I took us on a journey there. But anyway, it's good to have I think some it was an important skills. journey. <laughs> but like, I, I do think, like, I mean, I do think that economics does play a role in this. But, like, well, th- yeah, you know? I think economics, and I think also, like, I think there's also a generational, there's, well, there's a couple, I think, generational things too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that, like, only millennials and, you know, gen whatever make stuff. But, like, I think there's something about millennials a little bit older, maybe a little younger, I don't know. But, like, there's been so many handicrafts that were like on the verge of dying out that like have had resurgences like knitting happened when I was younger like pandemic like a bunch of this stuff happened where people died in the garden ever dying out? So, I yeah. want, I want, well, so and hold on though because I want to ask a very specific I want to ask it a very specific way so I want to think I, I have never not known people to do this so I'm wondering was it dying out or is it just that it took a while to trickle down to so I knew a lot of Gen Xers who knitted in class in college, like literally all the time, and you know, mm-hmm. a decade already. So, like, did it was it dying out, or did it just weirdly take longer for millennials to pick it up than it did for Gen Xers or Boomers or Zennials? So, knitting used to be taught in schools, right? Um, and that that's was, part of yeah. But that's part of why you know people in Boomers and I think Gen X, like at least part oh, of Gen X, I don't know about all, all of it. No, yeah, it, it was good. People weren't taking. There were home ec classes when I was in high school, but it wasn't. Rec- so if you're a little older than me, home ec is required of girls and shop is required of boys. And mm-hmm. that was going away. That, like I took a shop class. I didn't take home ec. I took a shop class um, like ninth grade or 10th grade as an elective. The idea of mandatory was going away. And that was 1989. Mm-hmm. So it was so, so but like yeah. 10 years older than me, 1979, every girl is taking home ec. So my observation of being in the knitting community for a long time, and I think this is going to get into the economics of it, because I think also the economics of it has just, has shifted a little bit. A co- and I think it's shifted maybe a few times. But like, it was dying out in the sense that fewer people... So like, I started knitting probably when I was like uh, 10, the beginning of like the online knitting community, which is now massive. Okay. The amount of people that were knitting increased exponentially. Like, I think you're right mm-hmm. that it was not... Like, it was like, I don't think knitting as a like thing that was done by human beings was going to disappear. Okay. But like, 
like it wasn't common more niche yeah it was more niche and i think especially it was like a thing that you probably like even it was a skill that you had it was not necessarily like a core hobby okay one of the things that happened with knitting and also in sewing is that basically a lot of people that never either had the opportunity to learn when they were younger because we didn't have access to home yet home ec found it because of the internet and so started teaching themselves or learning from other people and other stuff so those crafts exploded i think that's probably happened with other things because basically like like sewing for example knitting i think is easier to learn on your own from books sewing Mm -hmm. for example like is really interesting to look at old sewing manuals because Mm -hmm. i would say like sewing books pre maybe like 1970 don't quote me on this just going off of the books i've seen i have not done extensive inquiry um they kind of assume that you were taught by a person either your mother or in home ec so they don't actually teach you a lot of things it's one of the reasons why a lot of commercial sewing patterns most people find really confusing they assume you know a shit ton of stuff right because like everyone just learned might when i say everyone i specifically say think women women well girls um not even women girls you mean because right. you would have learned when you were younger yeah you would have learned and so like i think because basically i think in, in probably i would like when home ec became more optional and i think especially in certain areas where like there was the particular backlash of like well we're feminists now which means we don't value feminine things anymore sewing is the patriarchy <laughs> yeah that's um, what happened to me actually i'll admit yeah. i my mother wanted to teach me and i was like no i don't want to be put in this box i want to like do other things I, and that's utterly ridiculous and a, and I, I hope that like i find some time where she can teach me now and i regret it because mm-hmm. i was you know I, I cut off my nose to spite my face kind of thing because I, I think i would have enjoyed it and it's okay not mm-hmm. enjoy sewing but and i don't think that's an uncommon experience and i think there was mm-hmm. also an aspect where like i've definitely heard like about you know mothers or aunties like withholding that be specifically because they don't want their girls to feel like they have to learn it mm-hmm. so they actually will like kind of do the inverse of what you just described but a bunch of people like adopted it i think in like the 2000 like and you know in the like probably late 90s 2000 was a kind of stuff there was the whole like knitting is the new yoga thing and that was really funny mm. but this is i think where it gets into the economics of it really interesting because like with the examples we were pulling up was like areas where like if you can do your own plumbing you can save money yes. and the thing i think is interesting is that when it comes to things making clothing the opposite is true i was gonna bring that up too because my example would be i mean i don't I, I can sew. Mm-hmm. I my my wife knit a little bit. I've learned stuff, but I often get. I used to crochet when I was younger. But what I really enjoy, and it's gendered, but it just I've learned to sew, so I I enjoy sewing. But I really enjoy building stuff. I like mm-hmm. everything from Legos, but like you know, you guys have seen like I have my own picture frames and stuff that I make at my house. I I want to start making furniture. I'm like literally building a wood shop in my basement so that I can do more stuff that like. But, I own and I own like lots of stuff like my 3D printers. I've got two 3D printers to print different kinds of things so as to be able to fabricate things so that I can build random shit that I could buy far cheaper <laughs> than, than I than what I go through to make it. Mm-hmm. But part of the experience is I made this myself like uh, like the so in, I'm recording weirdly in my office at work today. Normally I'm at home, but behind me, there's this giant picture frame oh. with a digital screen inside of it. 
and it's there so that people wander yeah, in and go, wow, cool. yeah, mm-hmm. wow, that's really cool. You've got this gold. And I'm like, yes, well, where, where can I get one? It's like, well, you can pay me you and cannot. I will build you one. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I built that and people are like, that's amazing. Now they do sell these, but I don't want the one that they sell. I want the, the one that I made, which I could have been done way cheaper yeah. like, if I were willing I, to buy it. So I actually have so in like, you know, like clothing tags. Cause like you make clothes, you don't have tags, which for some people like they hate tags because then mm-hmm. I actually have tags that I show in on the outside that say you can't buy this <laughs> on things that I make because I they're just like passive aggressive and fun and I enjoy that yeah. but no I think that's real for me it's like I can get exactly what I want and like yes I can buy like I could buy something that is like that but like especially like anyone who has ever tried to purchase women's clothing knows yeah. that our sizing is stupid and made by aliens <laughs> everyone's so, a like, size 7 it doesn't matter what what size you are you're all size 7 <laughs> somewhere and, and what, a size, what a size 8 is in every brand is different like I could be right. it, it's like so funny like I actually I went I had to go buy clothes recently and I basically learned that depending on the brand I am anywhere from the size small to a size double XL yeah words have no meaning anymore but like it's like honestly like I and, and but part of it is like at this point I also don't really know my clothing size I mm-hmm. purposefully buy clothes that like I know are not going to fit exactly but are sort of close and I just tailor them at this point because I'm just like this is it's more effort to <laughs> find clothes that fit me than just be like fuck it I'll buy something that's something that's close and then fix it myself mm-hmm. because you all are stupid but like I get exactly what I want and it's like if I want something that's like an exact color or whatever because I'm highly specific with my clothing because I'm annoying like I can dye it or I can source the fabric and like I've bought like dead stock fabric that's you know been dead for 40 years because why, is it called, why it's called dead stock is beyond me but that's the point but like yeah it's like I get exactly what I want but like somebody asked me once I make these like vintage reproduction cocktail dresses occasionally mm-hmm. and they have like built-in corsets and all kinds of stuff so they're like very mm-hmm. labor intensive and somebody was like oh like how much would you charge they were like basically wanting to commission me to make something and i was like you lady you don't want to know and she's like no no price it out for me and i like did the ma- i actually had to do the math mm-hmm. of like if i actually wanted to like turn a reasonable profit on it and a reasonable hourly wage for the amount of work it would cost like even though it's a handmade thing and people are like oh it's that's really cheaper i actually did the math and i'm like it's actually thousands of dollars yeah mostly in labor costs yeah and she was just like are you fucking kidding me i could buy dior i'm like yeah this is how they make those things yeah, right. those are made by hand <laughs> I'm currently working on building, so just the pride of doing stuff, right? My hobby lately has been smart home stuff. So the the reason I have that digital picture frame is it's a hub for like all of my smart devices. So what I mean by smart devices for people listening, um, everything in my house is voice controlled. Literally everything. I I turn on lights by talking out loud and saying, oh, let's see if whose lights can I turn on at home? If I say Alexa, turn on the living room lights, they come on, right? Should I ask you a question? Okay, wait, you first. You first. No, we may have the same question. Go ahead, Hannah. Have you ever seen the movie Smart House? Yes. Oh. Are you afraid that a house is going to eat you? No. I, I mean, we've all got to die some way. He probably <laughs> not to. No, no I mean, it, to, to be, I mean, yes, I am aware of the issues. And in, in, in all seriousness, like, I was a software designer and security expert for 15 years. I understand the risk. I understand what happens if somebody, I understand that someone might hack my house and have my security cameras and my microphones that are all over the place and they've probably seen me 
naked. You know what? Thrill yourself. OK, if, they, if it means that much to you, I'm not that interesting. You know? <laughs> what I what but what what I have instead is I have things all over my house that are just cool because I enjoy them. But the smart home tech that I've gotten in order to do all that stuff, when I started, it was all about, oh, this is cheaper if I could do it myself. Like but then lately it's been stuff like, oh, you guys remember the summer I, I made myself a sign for outside my house that mm-hmm. says the Mavericks and it says our address on it, which I'm not going to say yeah. on the air. And then like that would have been easy, but <laughs> then it, it I also mean, it glows now. <laughs> your address on the air, it'd be just so easy. Yeah. the hackers to get you yeah and i'm, I'm not gonna you know work for it but you know like it glows and it's voice <laughs> activated and like everything about it is silly and now i'm working on the thing that i'm working on right now is the one lock in my house that's not smart is my back door because it's a sliding glass door so now i've got to build one so i'm like been fabricating like how do i build a, a a lock that can lock a sliding glass door because you can't like just deadbolt it because you know that's not how sliding doors work <laughs> so i've been so I've been trying to like do that and everything that goes into this is just like probably ultimately going to be, you know, several hundred dollars once I'm done. And I'm I'm sure I could have just gone to a locksmith and said, hey, can you make this happen for me? But I don't want to. I want to build it myself so I can look at it. People can say, wow, you unlocked your door by talking to it. How did you do that? Magic. Magic. Yes. (laughs) Which actually brings me to my question, which was not the intelligent one that Hannah had. Mm -hmm. The not intelligent one that I have is when you're going around telling Alexa to do things, is it like a you're trying to go for like a Star Trek sci-fi vibe of like I can command my house or is it more like you're trying to pretend that you are a wizard? Which persona is it? Are you Gandalf or are you Kirk? Oh, this actually came (laughs) up on my... No, it it came up on my other show. Actually, where I first thought about it is there is a comic book called Life, Death, A Love Story, but it's an X-Men comic book from 1986 and in it Storm who's the leader of the X-Men meets Forge who's this Native American man who's an inventor and in his house he has holograms and everything is voice activated and I remember reading this when I was 12 and saying I want this (laughs) and now I'm 49 and I have it everything in my house is voice activated and I can just and I can just tell music to play I can't do holograms yet but I'm working on it this is the best reason to do anything yeah it's literally I saw it in a comic book and when I was 12 and I'm like this must be my life now (laughs) that's basically the reason why I have a green couch Mm -hmm. for some reason 12 year old me just thought the pinnacle of success in adult life was like I could have a green velvet couch do I know Mm -hmm. why I thought this no someone told me it was because of friends I didn't know there was a green velvet couch for friends I also particularly like friends I know that's where I got it Mm -hmm. Uh, wait, they have a green one. Like, yes. I'm looking at no idea. They... I think I have I don't remember one. Remember <laughs> a single attractive couch on Friends. Yeah, I don't know. And remember, you know what's embarrassing? Like, I own all ten seasons of Friends and I don't remember. Well the one in the one in the intro is orange. Yeah. But, um but Monica's anyway, apartment might regardless. might have a green couch. Yeah. No, no, that's white. I don't see a green one. Well I'm, look, I'm looking now. <laughs> listeners, please tell us if you know about a green couch in Friends somewhere in the however many millions of episodes that there are. But yeah, I think I don't know. I like, yellow. <laughs> I wouldn't check that. I don't think there's a green one. Yeah. I don't yeah, like several people have told me that. I'm like, I don't maybe in the coffee shop? I don't know. I just don't. Also, couches from the nineties were mainly lumpy. But and I don't yeah, enjoy that. That's fair. It's but you know, it's not for me. 
you know, um, but the furniture was much more, more well built in the 90s overall. Yeah, probably. Although That's I think diff- the 90s was the beginning of the end. Yeah, although I guess like the furniture market and how like we, we've moved from like things that last to like... This actually somehow, you know, the couch segue actually got me to the point I was trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, right, we did it! Well, because mm-hmm. I think the other part of this, like there are like, yes, there are practical reasons and like have like the example of the locksmith, you go talk to a locksmith. I think like, I don't know, this is kind of a I've, I've been wondering of like how maybe generationally the relationship to making has shifted mm-hmm. and I think about it again through the lens of clothing and I don't know if this transfers to other things but like it used to be clothing you could buy really well made clothing yes it would be mm-hmm. expensive and yes you could make it more cheaply at home but generally speaking like you could buy high quality clothing mm-hmm. my observation and Monica has talked about this on like fashion episodes even right. if you spend an, like a lot of money and invest in high quality quote unquote high quality stuff a lot of it's kind of made like garbage mm-hmm. and so like like part of the reason I sew is because like I, you know, yes, I could buy a t-shirt for five bucks, but the one I make for 20 bucks lasts for four years. Right. Whereas the one I buy for five bucks falls apart if I sneeze at it. With furniture, it's a little mm-hmm. different. So a lot of, and this is, again, because this has become my hobby, I follow so many maker YouTubers. And right. when I say maker YouTubers, I'm talking to people who make furniture and, and home improvement stuff. But I mean, lots of people call themselves makers. I'm referring to these as makers right now because that's the, carpenter. the people that I follow. Yeah, a lot of people who do self-carpentry, like they're not trying to build a house, but they want to build like one of the things that I I dream of the day when I have time to replace my bed because I in my head, I know what I want to build for my next bed. This is like where my head's at right now. And a lot of the stuff is, yes, you can do this yourself. And but there's also a whole online community now, which has gotten into furniture hacking because a lot of mm. the base stuff is OK. And I did this recently. So you guys, you, well, you guys have seen pictures and you guys have been on video calls with me. So the studio in my home, the bookshelf behind me is I built a new bookshelf out of three Ikea Billy bookshelves. Now, they're not just three bookshelves next to each other. Mine are all now one bookshelf because I combined them because I wanted them into a corner and I like I worked out how to actually construct and it's pretty solid. Now it's never moving. It's gonna, you know, like most Ikea bookshelves have to be, you know, the Billy bookshelf, you build it where you want to keep it and you leave it there forever. But from all accounts of everybody who I've seen in the, you know, the Ikea hackables community, the Billy bookshelf, if built right, is extremely sturdy and will last forever. And I've got several in my home. So, so there's a little, you know, it's a little of both. Now, is it oak? Is it as solid? it is something that like was constructed in 1920 no but it's perfect for what it is and it is customized to it's exactly as many shelves as i want and it fits perfectly in my corner because i cut it to fit in my corner <laughs> the way i wanted it to I, right so. you just reminded me i actually so as we're recording this i just looked at my bookshelf and i realized like oh yeah because i did that i did exactly what you're describing it's actually it's not the billy bookcases but it's the what is it called i ivar no oh, yeah, yeah, ivar, yeah they would and I bought them specifically because they're modular and you're basically, but I was just like, I don't like pine because dark woods are better in my brain. Mm-hmm. And so I painted them and people, and it's like, and it's one of those things where I, I always get really satisfied. I didn't do the best job painting it, but like, you know, just squint a little bit. It's fine. And like, but it, like, I don't know. I think maybe this is kind of resonates now, but what you say about carpentry, it ended up being, I think, cheaper in the long run compared to, cause like I was looking at like buying what I wanted, you know, from a, from someplace where that had something closer to what I was envisioning for building 
know, basically I have, you know, really tall ceilings and I wanted a bookshelf that ran the full length of that wall that mm-hmm. used the full space. And I could buy what I wanted and I'm not convinced it actually would have been all that much more expensive. But there's a little part of my brain that does a little happy dance. Everyone's like, that's a very nice bookshelf, Katya. Where did you get it? And I was like, oh made it kind of yeah that's perfect way to say it i made it kind of and kind of good enough yeah it's like i didn't you know i didn't do the woodworking because i don't have the tools in the space to do that but like i did the painting and also like i designed it and configured it and i made it fit my space and like all my little weird robot figurines and all that weird stuff but i think that's the other part of it is like there's i think you know i read many people talk about we have an innate desire to make stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm not enough of a psychologist to know exactly why that is but i do think that there's an aspect of that is like we feel some kind of like I think there's like a natural compulsion maybe mm-hmm. not everyone has but I think most people have to like make stuff that doesn't necessarily mean like you're making physical objects that might be like you're writing or you know you're having children music or songs or like yeah that's a weird one but uh, no I no I mean I think it's related right like I think there's like a sin I think there's a certain yeah I mean not necessarily everybody wants to make all the same stuff but I think that there is a you know you pay attention to what parents say there's a pride in the I mean literally all you manage to do is have sex which is not it wasn't that much work everything else just you know kind of occurred with nature but i mean i think that there's a certain sense of i did that you know and i think that yeah, I'm not a parent. I don't know. Yeah, but or like, even just raising a kitten. Kind of like, even though, I mean, you didn't actually sure. genetically create the kitten, but like there is a, you know, parenting, building something, sewing something. There's a pride in the act of creation because you feel like a sense of accomplishment, I think. I accomplished raising a small human. I accomplished right. building a shelf. I accomplished making a dress. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering if like the accomplishment you feel having a child is the same kind of accomplishment you feel as making a dress. None of I us have children. Kinds of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone who has children is like, I did way more than just have sex. I'm like, yeah, I know. Right. I'm, we're doing parents, a show. <laughs> give us five stars on, it, on iTunes and we will hear you, please. I mean, I think my parents would say, you know, it's different because my mom can make the dress how she wants it. <laughs> <laughs> So the dress is more successful than her Hannah making ability. No, just like you know, no, you have a certain amount of control. Yeah, like 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 my parents don't believe in like controlling me, and I'm on my own person, and like. Yeah, they they did a lot for me and, and still do and like help shape who I am, of course. Sure. And I mean, we talked about it on this episode and about in fact how we are how we were raised clearly shaped our approaches to this. But like, you know, it's different because like I own the scarf I knitted. I don't own mm-hmm. the child. And I also feel weird. I mean, I have cats and it's not the same <laughs> as children. Please don't yeah. come at me. But like in you know, a cat you know, raising cats, they're not gonna do what you tell them. They know what you're asking them to do and they don't care (laughs) true they do in the nebulous sense of like i acknowledge that you want something from me yes i just don't feel like it today yeah i mean i may tomorrow but i probably won't i'm like and he looks and he's like nope Fair. Yeah, I'm and actually I, really curious of like if if if, if, if somebody who's a parent wants to respond in the comments to this one because I like I, I my I, I intuitively think that there's a difference there, but as a not I think parent, there is. I think that there are also some parents who think they have or believe or aspire to have more control than either. I mean, there's also a reason why none of us have kids, I guess, but also like uh, we we were all raised in with relatively um, you should be self-sufficient 
self-sufficient type parents and not everybody feels that way right some there are people who mm, yeah. very much want to raise their children as no this is the kind of human that i am trying to craft and so i i'm, I'm not even i'm trying to say that non-judgmentally and on purpose mm-hmm. you know it's not my choice but i do think that there is a i think that there is something to the idea of i don't think ownership is the right word i think crafting is the right word of like oh, having a hand in something right and you know i've taken this lump of clay and i have made a vase that is an act of creation a friend of mine is very into glass blowing he and his wife are have you know for years they've you know and they've like when i see stuff that eric's posted online i'm like amazed because i know the physics of how glass blowing work and it looks amazing that he has been able to take a you know a blob of molten goo and turn it into these ornate faces now i mean he would tell you i mean he teaches classes on it so he'd tell me i could teach you how to do that and i'm sure he probably could but in that i can't it feels like magic and i'm sure that to an having people go oh wow that's amazing you've made this wonderful face is part of the appeal just like for me I, like why do i have this thing hanging behind me at this it's so that people come in and they say whoa that's cool how did you make that and, like that's part of the experience right mm-hmm. i think also like a part of this is also there's a level of kind of what you're saying about your house and maybe about the glass blowing too it's like there's a mm-hmm. level of i don't want to say necessarily like exclusivity but maybe that is it mm-hmm. but like there's the idea or even when i'm saying about jeans like i have the tag of like you know you can't buy this it's like i think there's I think this goes back to the economics of it and maybe how it shifted because it used to be way more of your personal belongings had to be handmade. Kind of like some of the things we're talking about with our parents, like it was a necessity historically, like mass marketed, you know, clothing and certain other things were not necessarily accessible. Whereas now it's like you have, you can, you can buy most things less expensive than you can make them. They're relatively accessible to most people, but we still make stuff. And now I wonder if it's like now the opposite is it's like, I, cause we've, I think, I think we've each kind of said a version of this a few times. It's like, you know, we're one of the reasons we might make something is because we can get, we can have something that no one else has. Mm-hmm. Like, or that you couldn't even buy. Like, you know, I say this while I'm knitting a sweater in this moment that like, yes, I could buy a sweater, but I could not buy this sweater. Right. You want it. I mean, if you want a, a very particular color of blue or you want mm-hmm. a stripe exactly here, you can make that stripe exactly there. I, I just put a picture in the chat of my new bookshelf and you'll see that like it fits perfectly in the room that it's in. Oh, it, it's around a corner. I would stuff fits like that. Yeah. It, well, and it does because I measured it and I made it right. So it fits. It goes into a corner and then it wraps around the window and then it open and connects to another shelf on the other side that my wife uses and why is it that way because i made it to be exactly the size of the room that was the entire point right so yeah i also wonder how much of the exclusivity and maybe the pride we feel has to do with like it's a skill mm-hmm. like you can't like like some of the things that like mad you've done in like woodworking and like your mirror are, like i'm sure i could learn how to do but i don't know how to do um youtube like like yeah. i wonder how much of it is like mm-hmm. i don't know like we like to advertise like look it's like that otter meme where it's just like the mama otter holding up her baby body like i made mm-hmm. this well that's why um, i compared it to kid making before like i like obviously there's way more to it than you know like it's not the same building a shelf and raising a child one one takes 18 years <laughs> and it wasn't the one that i chose so like i get that it's different but i but i do think that's like the baby otter meme is exactly what mm-hmm. i'm thinking of right like there is that kind of you know people even say it like you if you talk like a car guy who like restored his own hot rod what will he call it he'll say that's my baby because that's the mentality of just this crafting thing of you know it's a skill that you're keeping your car running 
running, but you're not just doing it for the skill at that point. You are at the point where the hobby is the activity. You know, the, the hobby is right. making the cargo. Which I think is the interesting thing is it's like what you're pointing to, I think it's like there's a different motivation for learning a skill. And then like once you have the skill, it's just like you just kind of do it. So uh, there's a, there's an additional end of it that I wanted to think about a little bit too, because I do think there's a weirdness to when the skill as a hobby sort of competes with the skill as an occupation, which is to mm. say I am not a woodworking guy. I'm a guy who enjoys making stuff, but like there are professional carpenters out there and you know, that is a skill that people have. And it's sort of odd where people, when people who are, you know, let's face it, people who have middle-class and up skills, like my job, my day job is I'm a professor. It is, you know, far away from real work as there possibly can be. Right. Like I don't actually do any building ever in my job, but I enjoy doing stuff that almost like I'm, I'm trying to very much not make it sound less than because it's a working class skill, but like the activity of working classness becomes once that becomes a, you know, a recreation, that's kind of weird, right? Like, well, oh, I think it's like I'm like gardening because it's fun as opposed yeah, to I'm like, gardening because I need food is a weird thing. I think it's like we enjoy the thing that we don't do all the time. Right. Like, to think about it in a different sort of way you're talking about class, it's like, I, you know, when I was an academic as my day job, I did not write for fun. Okay. Now that I am no longer an academic for a day job, I still have an office job and all that kind of stuff. But like writing is not a significant component of my day job in the way that it used to be. But now I write for fun. Like, I think it's really difficult. There's some people that can do it. Like, I know people who like, you know, are artists, like work, are working artists full time who also do similar art in their sure. free time. And so there are some people that do it. But I think most, especially like most people I know that are either like in a job like that involves a creative component, they tend to do very different things in their free time. And then like, likewise, like people I know that are doing more like manual, quote unquote, blue collar stuff, they do like actually I, a lot of my friends that are like car mechanics or like firefighters have like highly intellectual hobbies yeah. like they're like reading philosophy and stuff like that i think it's because right. it's like that's not part of their everyday job and so like good point it's, it's more fun because i think it can go both ways well you're no you're absolutely right i don't read for i mean i do but it's rare that i read for fun right like if i'm if i'm reading a book part of me is always going is there paper in this for me and if not what's the point i mean yeah literally if i'm really struggled to do that yeah i mean like, it's reading is no longer part of my job i yeah. have really struggled to get back into reading is fun and i mean even you know like like right now there's a book on my there's a book on my my reading list that i'm probably going to read very soon robert coover's newest novel and and literally my mentality is well i don't know if this book's any good or not but i like coover so maybe i'll teach it one day or if not at least it'll be content for the show <laughs> that's where i'm at it's literally it's like in my head I've, yeah I've, what's the point in me doing this if i can't talk about it on a vox podcast right like it's a, yeah it's an entirely different set of motivations and like mm. i've done i've made some of my creative hobbies into jobs before right. like i've made money not like a, like career level self-sustaining businesses but like when i was in college on and off i've taken like well actually in grad school even like i've taken sewing commissions and like knitting stuff that to like make a little bit extra money on the side and sometimes it's really fun like i'll get opportunities to do like cool projects that i really enjoy or i'm really proud of and especially like the most recent ones that i've done which it's been a couple of years since i've taken a commission but were like things that basically like here's this weird project i'm like that's a project that i wouldn't get to do in any other way like restoring a jacket that's over 100 years old okay because like that is not 
don't know about you, but I don't have a hundred year old jackets lying around. And like, so, like that was a fun project or somebody like commissioned something very specific and like interesting to construct mm-hmm. and design. And like, it was fun. So those were kind of interesting ones. But if I was like trying to make consistent money, the things that are interesting, at least for me, I have found that the things that are interesting to make that I enjoy making are very rarely the things that are profitable. And I've noticed that like I follow a lot of people on social media who are like makers for a living. And I've noticed that kind of like a theme when they talk business like advice is like there is work that you do because it's really satisfying even if it's for your business you but you don't and like yeah it's profitable to an extent because it has to be but that's not the work that actually sustains your business mm-hmm. and I think I would find that just like well like not even I would find that I have found that when I've like tried you know I've made money off of hobbies it's just like soul crushing is a little extreme but it like it for me like if I am not deeply interested in the project I am making I cannot make my brain do it mm-hmm. and it's just not fun anymore and like even you know like video games like we were talking about stuff like that stuff like academia and like what you know being hard to read for fun like i stopped playing video games when i was probably in the last year of grad school like almost entirely unless it was for work and it's only been like the last year or so Mm -hmm. when i started playing like games again habitually and it's been oh gosh we graduated in 2020 i think yep our dissertation's over zoom and Oh, that's right. You guys were right. You guys were right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Speaking of making shit in the most anticlimactic way. Yeah, that was (laughs) like I like Josh had to work that day. And like, you know, that was when everyone was super like, we will not go outside. We will not see each other because we don't fully understand. For listeners context. Hannah and I basically we submitted our like our final manuscripts probably like a couple weeks before lockdown started <laughs> and normally you descend within about four weeks of you submitting those manuscripts for review mm-hmm. and so basically we submitted our manuscripts lockdown happened and then we had to defend and the universe was like why we don't know how to do this um, so like, yeah the universe was understandably a little bit <laughs> attention was elsewhere yeah and then like that was when the job market was like totally frozen too so it was like what am I gonna do. Like, what's I mean, it, we're fine. We were always fine. We were fortunate, but it was weird. <laughs> that raises a question, though. Like, do you guys think of your academic writing or like your dissertations and like making or writing in the same way that you think about like making stuff, or is it different for you? Well, a lot of the things I've recently been doing. So, like, some of the stuff I've learned to do, I, I have learned for like an economic reason. Like, yeah, okay. Like, I think it would just be cheaper for me to buy a scarf from Target than to just make a scarf for learning to knit. But it's definitely cheaper to learn how to fix drywall yourself than hire someone mm-hmm. or like you know how to replace a toilet. And it's like a really simple plumbing job if you have a YouTube video and a couple hours and some and some like like strength to like lift the toilet and set it straight down. Like you'll be fine. And of course, next week I'll report back that I've completely screwed it up. I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm going to just emphasize everyone <laughs> listening now or in future would you say the strength to pick up a toilet more than you think. You yeah. know, at least one person in my life who very badly injured their back while doing it. So like yeah, yeah be careful. Yeah. And also And there's two of you. You should there are two of you. Yeah. Full disclosure. I'm not gonna be picking up the toilet by myself and in fact Josh I'm just doing it. So <laughs> So, you know, very easy to be like, yes, I, 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 I think this help. Not with the back. Yes. So, I watched, you know, in your PSA, watch a couple of YouTube videos, read people who know what they're doing, etc. But, like, I have, like, I bought a 1950s house because it's what I could afford. It's very cute and I like it. But, you know, over the years, stuff comes up and like, there are quirks 
from like older homes, you know, and one of the things I, I may or may not have mentioned on air is we discovered that like our electric panel was 60 amps and like the modern standard is like 150 or 200. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Considerably more. <laughs> yeah. And so like it was a genuine fire hazard. So like we put a lot of money into fixing that because it's like why buy a house when like some insurance companies literally like ask you like how much your house is wired for and will probably not insure you if it's like 60 PSA. Don't do it, folks. So like, you know, if you have a limited budget and don't have endless money and you're, you know, making probably the biggest purchase of your life or one of them, at least, I don't know what'll top this. And it's very scary. And, and you know, you, you kind of have to figure out what can I do and what is a safe thing for me to fail at and yeah. what should I hire a professional to do? And so like, you know, maybe like hiring a professional to fix the foundation or like deal with electricity and so on. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense than like, you know, putting the money in the fixing the drywall, which was mostly like a decorative aesthetic thing, as opposed to having to rip it out and start over again, just, you know, fixing like minor hairline cracks that didn't speak to like the structural integrity of the home. If you're concerned about the structural integrity of your home, call a structural engineer and don't listen to Hannah vaguely allude to things <laughs> on this podcast. It's fine. It's all fine. But, you know, in like some weird way, I, I was like, you will have to see... <laughs> how I've suffered this week in making sure the drywall is done so we can paint and I'm too thin. Here's this weird sense of pride. But it also was like, you know, in that particular instance, like saving thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. remember I don't remember my original point, but like sometimes well, it is saving thousands and thousands of dollars or hundreds. Yeah. Well, Katya asked, you know, do we put the same kind of work in in that we would do for a regular job? And oh, yeah. yeah and well, yes, I is think. It, like, is it the same motivation? Like, well, you get the same satisfaction bad example. or something from like writing an academic article that you would. I do, um, but, I'm, but I'm the worst. I mean, I'm the worst possible example or maybe the dream example, right? Because I quit my old career to do my hobby professionally. So like in my old job, I was doing the people that you talked about, Katya, that you said you're afraid to, like that was me, right? Like I used to literally, I was a software designer that went to academic conferences for vacation. Like that's what I used to do. I would like, oh, I am taking, like it was literally the first time I went to PCA. That was a vacation for me. I took time off from work to go do an active paper because I'm a weird nerd. And so I was doing this for fun and then eventually decided, well, but what if I could do that all the time, you know? And so hence going to grad school. And so for me, yeah, like I, my hobby is writing about, you know, Batman, right? Like that's the book that I'm working on right now. But like, I don't think that's most people, right? Like I think that the fact that I successfully managed to get to do my hobby as my job is actually kind of weird. A colleague of mine here says, you don't have a job. Your job is grading. Like everything else you do, you, you would have been doing anyway. I'm like, that's a good point. Like <laughs> grading, I hate. <laughs> so like, that's the part they pay you for. They pay you way too much money to grade papers and everything else you just kind of do for free. It's like, yeah, that's a way of thinking about it. Cause I really was doing the rest of it for free. I like, you know, I like talking about cultural studies. I like writing about cultural studies. So sure for me, I do. And I've come to learn that I like building, you know, smart home stuff and I like building shelves and picture frames and, you know, woodworking. I, I recently, I guess it's been last year at this point, you know how TikTok and Facebook decide what you like and sometimes and Instagram, you know, with reels yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I don't, I never see videos on Twitter, like whatever they call theirs. I, that, those, they come up for me on IG. Yeah. Tick, obviously, TikTok is just that, right? But 
Facebook and, and IG have both. They at some point decided that I was really into lathe videos. This is like where. Sugar? Oh, even better. Right. So w- what happens is, you know, a guy will get like a bunch of stuff, say some color pencils, and then you put them in a box and then you pour resin in the box and then you wait for the oh, resin to harden yeah, and you chip the box it. away. And then you put the box, you put the solid cube of color pencils and resin on a spinning lathe and then you just make it spin and you carve shit out of it. And like they're so, very satisfying to watch. Yeah. And you're like, and like, so a guy will make a, you know, what will turn out to be eventually, you know, say a table leg out of <laughs> that was made out of resin and color pencils. And it is so fascinating to watch them strip things away. And I watch these and I go like, no, I don't know how they, I mean, I, don't, I, I think the first time I saw one was Instagram. I don't remember where I saw it the first time, but like I saw one and it's one of those things where the algorithm noticed, oh, well, he did stare at this for five minutes. Will he, would he stare at it for 10 minutes? Would he stare at it for 15 minutes? Would he stare at it for an hour? And the answer is yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> I won't. So, so, so I need to learn to do this. I have one. I've been making one in my basement, but I have not, not done anything yet. But I have like, you know, a lathe now <laughs> because I want yeah. to learn how to make stuff like this because, you know, it's like, I don't know why I'm into it, but it is a fascinating looking hobby. And I want to be able to build stuff like that. I do think thinking about the question about like satisfaction, I think what I've discovered about myself is I'm not happy unless I'm struggling a little bit. Like maybe I'm Camus Sisyphus and someone's going to write in and yell at me because I'm saying this. But maybe I am Sisyphus and I'm happy with my rock. Just going up because like it, it sucks to do the drywall stuff. Like we were here like every night after work, like sanding away, mm-hmm. putting in new layers, like getting made fun of by people in the group chat for having upside down cross patterns on my walls. Not everybody made fun of you. Some people were very proud of you and, and commiserated because they'd done the same thing. Yeah, okay. but- <laughs> One person was <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, it's fine. It, it was kind of funny when I thought about it. I guess we'll find out mm-hmm. this month if anything will come of it since we're in spooky season. Like, like you know, I really like struggled, but like there was a deep sense of satisfaction learning. Like, was something I've recently done for my current job is learning how to make interactive, accessible PDFs. So, like by interactive, I mean like, you can type yeah. words into like the PDF on your computer, and like it's also accessible to people who have screen readers, for instance. So that took me a lot of effort to learn. Like at one point, I think my brain broke. I was like, <laughs> I was talking like I had an 18th century captain's log of ship. <laughs> like, you know, that was like really hard. Like when I worked at the student newspaper, that was really hard writing the dissertation at certain points. Well, that was a bit different. That was hard. Learning learning a lot of things like how to use twine, also very hard. And so I think like a, there's like a certain amount of appeal and challenge. I mean, it's like maybe, you know, I should learn how to balance the challenge with like burning myself out because, you know, I think that's what happened for the end of that dissertation thing. But like there, there is something interesting about a challenge. Like, you know, I enjoy watching suits, but like that does not require like, much of me. Well, it's, I, so we were actually, I think, going the we were both about to start talking to ones. We were both basically about to say the same thing. Like, I think a part of what we're kind of t- touching on is like, yes, making stuff, but also like learning new shit. Like when you talk about the lathe, it's like, oh, I want to learn that new thing. I've been watching a lot of YouTube in my quest to become an armchair expert of everything. And my current favorite channel is somebody called Healthy Gamer GG, which I assume just stands for Get Good because gamers. But I've never 
whatever I should have found out. But he's basically like an actual practice, like he's an actual doctor of psychology and like teaches at Harvard or whatever and blah 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 and has a bunch of big games. He like streams on Twitch and whatever, which is like the whole thing of like doing college lectures on Twitch endlessly fascinates me. And I'm like, oh, we should do this. But it's basically like, you know, this, but more whatever. But one of the things that like it has brought up for me is it's like, oh yeah, like human beings, like just consuming content all the time is actually not good for us. <laughs> like, I don't know the actual, I don't, like I don't recall off the top of my head, like the actual mechanisms he talked about, but basically he's like, yeah, he's like, you need to replace like a certain percentage. Like if you're having mental health problems, he's like, you need to replace a certain percentage of like consuming media time with making shit time because it's like your brain, like your, your brain actually needs to like problem solve. Otherwise it gets grumpy. It's basically the Katya armchair version of that. So, like I think there's a certain aspect of this is like I don't know like it's like sometimes it's like I make stuff there's no practical reason it's just like well it's time to make a thing mm -hmm. and like my brain and body is just like you must knit now because we've decided and like I think that's part of it is just like you're you're I don't know it's like you're there's some aspect of this that I think it's just a like part of your health maybe where it's like we like human beings like learning stuff like we like building stuff because it's good for us or else so we've resolved make shit build stuff because it's fun um, and can be useful because you know sometimes you're hungry and there's a couple things there and it's good to know how to boil the water without burning down your house and i say that with no judgment because once i really did walk away from the stove like cooking pasta and i've done this a million times and like the water evaporated and it started to smoke so like this is not like this is not like i can cook and you can't everybody who knows me knows that i am not the cook in this family um <laughs> You know, you know enough cooking to appreciate everything that Josh does. Yes, and I do make things. We do like split the foods. So, like, you know, if he's working, like, I cook dinner and it makes me feel good because I can do kind things for someone. It is actually, that is like, yeah, making stuff for other people is maybe a whole different tangent we don't have time for. But like, mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, I make, like, I make stuff. It's just like, I have a compulsion. Like, I, I was, it's like, kind of like the compulsion thing. I'm like, I must make you a scarf. Do I need to make you a scarf? No, but I have decided in my brain that you require a scarf because you've given something of yourself is what it is and yeah. there's value in that and like you can help other people like in that like sewage crisis i talked about in the first episode, <laughs> first episode like josh knew what to do and so like he was able to go to all the other apartments because like the apartment complex hadn't seen anyone and like was able to like help other people uh, like, happened to the whole apartment block simultaneously not no just like the people who shared plumbing between us so it wasn't like every single unit but like it was a whole thing yeah. we got worse at the point oh. but also and also there was like a freak storm in north carolina like a month ago and a bunch of trees got down and my whole neighborhood my new one like pitched in and like, helped people remove branches and trees and like, stuff and like clear the roads so school buses get by and it was like really nice to see people like helping in their community doing what they could to pitch in to make sure everyone was okay so i think we've gotten into a whole other episode as was said i don't have time for but like you know it's just, i think it's not just about me sometimes yeah. that's why dissertation writing was sometimes oppressive it felt like it's yeah, there's a whole episode that we needed to do, I feel like, on, like, why individualism altruism. is fucked up. <laughs> Ew, yeah, altruism, good. Individualism, <laughs> we get, I mean, we talk about the historical concept of mutual aid because some people don't know what that means, and they should. <laughs> but that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other <laughs> episode. Next time. It's not next time. I don't, we don't know what's next time. <laughs> a time. A, yeah, sometime on Fox. But Maybe, anyway, possibly. we have no guests to thank, though. <laughs> So I guess we can do the plugs that you guys won't do. I feel like gotcha. you where can people find you? Here, here. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And Hannah. Here sometimes. 
Literally, I, like the the the. I feel like the the longer I am no longer an academic, the less interested in the internet I am. After yes. almost a decade of studying the internet and technology, I'm just like, mm. oh, like I'm a luddite. Like, <laughs> and I embrace that for like all of its political connotations. So, but also, I guess, like, I could say if you're looking into doing drywall, you should watch the Vancouver Carpenter on YouTube because he's really helpful. So, and the, but, and the healthy gamer guy, he's kind of fun. Yeah. So you know, I'm plugging someone else's work yeah because mm. altruism and community stuff and i mean like the people on the internet who teach you how to do diy stuff like are doing a real community good and passing on they knowledge are. Yeah. dude they I are guess. a fucking delight i would not know shit about functioning in the human in the in the planet in the planet i i live in the center of the earth now that's that's what i do Anyway. Yeah, where can where can the people find you? That's a 19th century novel. Um, you can find me on Twitter if it exists Weird. this week. You know, we'll see it. It's, there's less and less of it every week. I don't know if how often you guys are. Oh my god, is it going I, downhill? I'm not at all, but I do watch various people who give dispatches from the field about the Jeez. show that's happening. It's, I appreciate their efforts to like keep us informed. It's amazing. I'm watching the ship go down and and what's sad is like other sites are like everybody wants their site to be better. So I'm also on I'm on Blue Sky and Threads and I'm on Mastodon. I'm most places at Chris Maverick. Mastodon is Mastodon is we have to do a show on like the future of social media at some point because I don't as much as the Mastodon people want it to be it, I don't think it's it and i don't I've been, know about I've, I've got thoughts man I, yeah i've got many <laughs> thoughts about this and some of them academics some of them not these are things that i've been talking about at again the crossover with work part of my job is i work for a department which specializes in trying to mix you know the cultural theory that i do with the you know with computer science that i used to do is talking about this stuff and wow has it been crazy but anyway i'm on most of those sites at chris maverick you can follow the show right now mostly just on twitter Maybe I'll start a blue guy account for the show because like that one seems like it's gonna be stable, I guess. But we're on Facebook. Fox. We're on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Facebook, yeah. Facebook is not. I mean, I know people like to hate Facebook, but it's stable. Damn it, it's not going anywhere. So like, <laughs> say what you will about Facebook. When you compare it to what Twitter is, Facebook is a utopia right now, <laughs> and that's sad. But we're those places. We're at Vox Podcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpodcast.com, where you can maybe find out what we're talking about next week it's one of a couple of things you know we've got some interesting stuff going on if you happen to be in the cleveland area next weekend as we air this show wayne myself and frequent guest of the show marcel walker we will be at the superman and popular culture conference that is happening in cleveland ohio next weekend we'll all be presenting there maybe a show will come out of that if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or, I don't know, Pandora, Google Play, wherever the hell you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. And once again, like, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.